Hi, I'm Margie Haber. I've been an acting coach for 30 years, helping actors find their personal power and learn to create. Let's face it, all of us need to let go of control, get rid of the straitjacket we call our comfort zone, and remove the walls that prevent us from being vulnerable. It's all about hope. So let's begin this journey together and give ourselves permission to fuck your comfort zone. Welcome to part two of my conversation with world-renowned casting director, John Frank Levy. Let's talk a bit about sexuality in, in the business and how that all works out because uh, of a couple of things. Uh, you said that the sexiest woman, this is very funny, another thing we have in common, you said the sexiest woman when you were young was Sophia Loren. So let me say that I had a friend named Julie Gregg. I don't know if you remember Julie Gregg. She was an actress and she was, um, I did my first TV show I ever did was Matt Lincoln. And I was on this TV show with her with Vince Edwards. And I met her and we became very good friends. And so she invited me to go to, when she was in Man of La Mancha, she invited me to go to Rome. And I was there having dinner, a small little table with Sophia Loren on the left of me and Peter O'Toole on the right of me. May I say... <laughs> Saul Chaplin, Arthur Hiller, all those people, just, just this little small group. I have never seen anyone more beautiful than the person on the left of me and the person on the right of me. So yeah. talk a bit of, yeah, that's a bit of, yeah, and, and, I, and I'm going to skip to, I'm going to get back to the West Wing in a second, but I'm going to skip to um, Shameless because this kind of helps me with the question about sex and auditioning because my student, here we go again, was Laura Wiggins. Oh, wow. And Laura and I worked on that. I remember these auditions, okay? I remember with you. I, and that was that was hard. I, I know she had a real tough time with her grandmother and everything with the nude slices. How do you deal gonna, with that? I was just going to tell you that story. But first, let yeah, me how go do you back deal with the, the with the whole concept, though, of this? What? How far can you go with the you know the hashtags shit and all that stuff? What do you do about the sex slices? Well, first of all, let me say this: that I've always described casting as falling in love. And then behaving yourself. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm uh, one of. I think one of my great uh, attributes is that I have the capacity to fall in love with any number of people. And and uh, I, I'm I'm devoutly straight, but uh, but but uh, I, I have been able to fall in love with the essence of thousands of men in my life without having to. Uh, go through with the intimacy of sexuality, but I can recognize sexuality and feel its potency from anybody. And uh, I'm susceptible to it. <clears throat> I love that Laura Wiggins played a scene where she was topless. And she told me that she uh, called her grandmother and explained green screen to her and said <laughs> that it was somebody else's breasts. Uh, not hers, and don't worry. <laughs> I know, so, I know. So, how do actors deal with these sex slices? What do you expect them to do? Well, I, I, uh, I, want, I want you to save it for when you get the job. We're not interested in uh, the scene plays just as well if you have a very big penis or a very small penis. Uh, the, the scene plays just as well if you have, you know, what society thinks of as fantastic breasts or what whether society whether you have what society thinks of as not so great breasts or whatever 
So uh, uh, the nudity should absolutely be saved for the safe environment of the set with the intimacy coordinator, which, by the way, is a concept we should have had 25 years ago instead of just five years ago. Right. I mean, we've had fight coordinators and stunt coordinators and all that for generations. Um, and, and so, but I mean, I think at the same time, you can't not play the sexuality. The, yeah. And, and we, you have to include it, but you have to uh, uh, make it, in, you have to internalize it. You know, there, there was a time that there was an actress uh, who, without um, anybody knowing it was going to happen, suddenly ripped her blouse off in, the, in an audition. And frankly, the woman executive producer who was in that session blamed me and was very unhappy about it. Mm. And uh, I, 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 so, I, and, you know, you don't need to take your pants off in the scene. You need to act as if your pants are off. Right. I, I think it's interesting because I remember uh, back uh, Rick Springfield, a student and friend of mine, and he was uh, uh, I had to do work with him on Californication audition. And he didn't know what to do because it's all about sex. The whole thing's about sex. So I said, it's, it's about using the chair. It's about, you know, resistance yeah. against the chair. And when you use the chair and you receive it's not technical, you receive from that person who's reading with you that connection and to me right. everything's about relationship anyway relationship with objects which is a question one of my students asked me to ask i've got so many questions from them and one of them is uh and i want to talk about this for a second objects bringing them in using them on self-tape zoom and etc i call them objects versus props yeah uh, i'm willing to use your terminology um I think you should do whatever you need to do to believe yourself in the scene. And I think you should never do anything to strategize about my believing you in the scene. Exactly. Exactly. So you're saying what I say, which I think it's just, you, you mentioned, I don't know where you mentioned it, but th there was a real great example because it was a comedy and somebody was all over the place on the floor. Uh, oh, it was an outtake in your outtake part of your book where you talk about, um, uh, which was great, that there was um, um, somebody who was uh, reading for the, that's, that was the actress, that's another one. It was something to do with things falling all over the place, coming out of the bag, and they were all over the floor. I yeah, say Molly people, Shannon. Molly, comedy yeah, Molly Shannon. This is why I tell people, tell me if you, if you agree with me on this. I think that when you bring in props, <laughs> They're to show you. They show the casting director. But, you know, if you are living a life of someone whose child's in the hospital, I, I've used this, and you have, like I happen to have all week, if I was doing this and I was an actress, I would all week have my baby's lamb in my, you know, in my, in my life because my baby's in the hospital. And if I'm doing a slice and it and it says, I got a present for you, right? And I, and this, and I have this and it affects me. And this is for you, darling. It's not, it, as long as it affects you and it helps me, me as an actor, you know, as a creator, I don't call it acting, I call it creating, then I think it's great. It's when people overdo it. What do you think? I, I completely agree. Again, it goes back to 
if, if that baby lamb can help you believe yourself as that mother under those circumstances with those fears and those doubts and the, that horror, uh, yeah. then, then it's going to be a contributing factor. If it's there to show me to demonstrate something yeah. rather than to experience something, then, then I'll see the falseness of it. It's so perfect. I mean, it's such an amazing uh, podcast because we have so much, so much similarity. It's I say it's all about if it feeds you, it, then use it. If it doesn't feed you, don't use it. Let's mm. go to West Wing. All right, because it's what what a what an amazing amazing show. How does anyone say anything about this except that you, how lucky for you to have so many different kinds of shows? What's interesting to me um, is that. What you say here is that as you, I get you and I get a sense of where to put you. I need people. I pay attention to body language, eye movements, and behavior for me. And I'm the same. For me, everything is body language, sounds, and behavior. So this, this you received two Emmys for West Wing. And, uh, the, and you wrote in your book, the bottom line is that some wonderful, talented actors can't talk fast enough to play a role in something Aaron's created. How do you get them to talk quickly and what do you do about that? I think you just have to accept the realities. Some really talented people uh, uh, don't have that facility, that skill. Um, and, and, and so they're precluded from that uh, particular project. Uh, I suppose you can work on it, um, but I think it's innate. Some of us are very much in our mouths <laughs> and some mm -hmm. of us more in other uh, parts of our bodies uh you know and i, 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 do, think, I do think it's innate i suppose it could be developed but uh, i didn't have time to to develop it i kind of say to, to my students when you you know the genre you know right which we all know what his is like if you don't have urgency and the creative end you cannot do it technically you can't just say speed it up speed it up speed it up you have to be going somewhere if i don't end up in that other room in five minutes i'm going to lose my job that will that helps me get urgent that helps me yeah. with the physical stuff you know yeah absolutely I, but it, but it also your your lips and your tongue need to be able to actually not just yeah. your feet <laughs> It's 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 a it's a challenging thing. I, I, there's something I want to out you on because it's in your book, so I can out you on here. And that is, you talk about you made a confession in your book about feeling diminished in the role of casting for Aaron Sorkin because he obviously mentioned he was he liked to be there to read, and it kind of brought me to the part of my book which I call the rescuer, the victim, and the persecutor. And it I seems found part that of your book really fascinating. Yeah. I. I uh, you know, Margie, I've never, uh, maybe it's arrogance on my part, but I've never read a self-help book. Uh, maybe I, I, I have this ridiculous feeling that I don't need self-help. But I, I found your book so unbelievably uh, true. I mean, I guess that, you know, not so much that I was going to apply it or like that, but I, I just said, uh, I recognize this. This is true. I, I Oh. I recognize that in myself. That's true. And yep. and your book is just filled with so much that's true about human life. 
Um, obviously, you've been studying it, and and I think what you know. I'm reading your book. I thought to myself, I've never read a self help book, but I'm sort of realizing that I might have written one. <laughs> it's well, you wrote the same kind of book I have. Mine's a mine's a about my life story, and it's in there throughout with that kind of stuff. But here's what I wanted to say. You so so we'll talk about this. You were at that moment experiencing being a victim but you did some but you got out of the victim became an adult because you released yourself from the show and moved forward so i would like you to give advice to my actors when they should release their team you mean their agents and managers yeah and, that's, yeah. and coaches um yeah anybody yeah yeah well uh, I, I mean i I think we all know when and you talk about it so much in 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 fuck your comfort zone that uh, uh, I don't know how do you pronounce fuck with an asterisk I don't know but fuck <laughs> fuck <laughs> uh, um you know I think we all know long before we're brave enough to act when something is over uh it, and I think we know it because Food doesn't taste as good and kisses aren't as lovely and success isn't as warm a pillow. Uh, um, and, 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 I, and I think then we just have to fuck our comfort zone and admit it and acknowledge our part in it. Don't make it their fault, but just say, uh, you know, thanks for everything but um it's no longer sustaining uh and and so i need to move on yeah it's hard for actors who've had their agent or manager for a long time and they're they're in their comfort zone with them and they're afraid to say uh, it's it's over and it's time for me to move on uh, i tell them write a letter and or give them time give them three months and say you know what i'm giving you time but Moving on is so is so important. You you've done so many things. I've never had such a long um, podcast in my entire times of doing this, but you have so much to cover. And I'm just going to go quickly. With Southland was amazing. That's you know you got the Hoyt Bowers Award that was great, and you talk about Mike Fenton, who received that award. Mike Fenton, go for those people who don't know, he did ET and many things. But when I had a facility and a studio in 1980s. Um, he used to work for me. He came and taught classes. And before this teaching casting director thing happened, he and he brought a little girl named Drew Barrymore, who was five years <laughs> old and sat on my lap while he was in class. Uh, and then, of course, Animal Kingdom, which I love. I, I just love Animal Kingdom. Uh, it's a, a really an amazing group of people. And Ellen Barkin is, I know her from many years back. You mentioned, I mentioned your mom, and I want to go to your mom for a second, because she said something that I thought would be interesting uh, to to just talk a little bit about, because I, and my mother and I were very close. My mother died at 101 and a half, and mothers, our mothers really influence us. But you mentioned uh, that you, your mom said life is a series of dissolution experiences, but you say life is a series of hopeful experiences. And I would like to know what has been the most dissolutional experiences and how did you deal with it for you? Well, um, 
damn you. <laughs> <laughs> I never said this was going to be easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, uh, uh, several years ago, uh, a man I had been working with on uh, as a, a director and an executive producer for more than two and a half decades uh, asked me forcibly, uh, gave me almost no room to say no uh, to be his casting director on seasons three and four of uh, a show that I had no interest in um, because of its subject matter partly and because it was a network television show, which for me has become much less interesting than uh, shows that have much more freedom and range. And after I did two seasons with him, completely out of loyalty and love and respect, he fired us. Mm. And it, it was, it's the only time I've ever been fired. Uh, I'm proud, I guess, to say. Um, and it was hard, deeply disillusioning and yet it was an opportunity because it freed me of my responsibility to service him when i didn't want to yeah and so That's it was a painful gift they usually are they usually are i'm going to get to all some of the questions that my that have been asked of me uh but i first wanted to mention you mentioned something in your book about that you ask when you look for when you're looking what you are looking for when you're casting and you your various questions uh like are you talented do you want to say these questions or should i say them for you please say them because i you know read it <laughs> i wrote it i don't remember it <laughs> people do that for me in my book and go what i i wrote that <laughs> i remember yeah all right these are interesting questions that i'm just going to throw out uh and then we'll move to the questions that they my students wanted me to ask you are you talented? This is what you, you ask various questions like, are you talented? Are you right for the role? Do you feel vulnerable or handle things with grace? Are you intelligent or more insensitive? The sexuality, is it in a weaponized way or an inviting way? Do I want to spend the day with you, person, with your personality and your process? And then you, we need to feel confident that we can look forward to that time on the set with enthusiasm and not dread. I thought that was pretty much great I, questions. I still, that you asked. I still believe all of that, and and uh, uh, you know, thank you for reminding me and all of us that uh, that it, it's it's a complex equation of it's, yeah. a, it's a multifaceted formula that makes you know. Uh, I think it would be so hard uh, to, to, you know, bat one out of 30, which I think probably is successful for an actor who auditions 30 times and gets one job. Um, I'm not sure I have the uh, spine for yeah. that much uh, rejection. And I, I empathize with you all so deeply. And I have spent my entire career trying to reassure you that your work has landed even if it hasn't resulted in a paycheck right your effort right. has been appreciated even if it hasn't landed in your bank account 
You mentioned two reasons to give an adjustment to an actor and two reasons not to give them. Do you yeah. remember them? Sure, I do. Okay. Uh, one reason to give an adjustment is that somebody is very right for the part and made a, a I, I hate the word wrong, but it could have made a better choice about what they're after in the scene or uh, some basic elements of acting choices. Um, and another reason to give an adjustment is that you're incredibly fascinating and I want to see how much muscle you have to go along with that natural fascination. And the two reasons to not give an adjustment are that what you did was absolutely right and um, great. And of course, the other one is that you're not in the least bit fascinating. And um, that's a harsh thing to say. And I apologize in advance, but there are a lot. And I would, I never would give that feedback because my job is never to kill anybody's dream. Yes. There are people who want to be actors who might never be actors. And and I got to say for all those people listening, the wonderful thing about John is that he's not technical in his adjustments. He doesn't do what most technical uh, casting directors do. They don't, where they give technical things like, Oh, you know, pick up the pace, which I always say to people is one of the worst things a casting director to say, what does that mean? You were very clear in your book, how you handle that. And people read the book and you'll know how you don't have to just do it. to picking up the pace. It's, my, it's my the way is have more fun with it. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> what does that mean? You know, so I, if when you understand it's a creative way, but most tech, most you have to, to me, you have to reinterpret what a casting director says to you. So, and Absolutely. do it in a creative way versus that. Okay. I All totally right. now, agree again. Okay. Now getting to the advice on auditioning stuff. Okay. Um, some, what are some of the no's in auditions? Well, I, I guess for me, the biggest no is trying to figure out what you think I think I need uh, and do that instead of uh, bring a playful, curious spirit and a, and a well-prepared, thought-out uh, plan of action that it comes from you and your connection to the material. You know, I might think I know what I want in a part, but I'm open to a happy accident of a lovely surprise that someone does something entirely different. Now, there's an apocryphal story about a famous movie scene uh, where it's Penn Station, I think, in New York that has those giant steps, many floors of steps. And somebody is, some bad guy is uh, given the task of pushing an old lady down those steps in a wheelchair. And most of the guys come in and sneer and growl and say awful things. And the guy who got the job adjusted the blanket on the lady so that she was comfortable and te- you know maybe even kissed her on the cheek and then pushed her down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> i know i know one of the things that i talk about i talked about in my old book i can't believe it's 23 years old how to get the part with all without falling apart was how gilda stratton we all remember gilda stratton we used a to be a cast- yeah she used to remember she would talk to me about casting and I would someone this hasn't changed I mean we don't go in person as much now of course but you you mentioned in your book about how someone grabbed her one time and picked her up for the chair and she never saw that she never asked that guy to come in again bad idea yeah well those kinds of uh, 
you know, I mean, I, I, it goes back to, I think all of our mothers told us that it was a positive thing to have good manners. Yes. And, uh, and then if, if you ask me for permission to, uh, you know, invade my space in an audition because it'll help you believe yourself, uh, depending on our relationship, I might give you that permission. But if you take that permission without my consent, that's a kind of uh, rape. Yeah. And uh, and it's certainly bad manners. We had an actor who's gone on to be a gigantic success shortly after he came out of the Yale program. And he, at the end of the scene, took a chair and threw it wildly behind him and busted up the paint. And, you know, I mean, he really, it was an act of violence. And it might have made him feel good. But scary. it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it, it's very and, scary. It's very scary. Yeah, All right, now getting to, getting to, because okay, go this ahead. is a, so long, but I, I, I know this is incredible. I want to talk about self-tapes and Zoom callbacks, because that's the world we live in now. All right. And um, you, I have a lot of personal opinions about the way I think self-tapes to be, and I'm going not going to influence you, but I'd like to hear your thoughts about self-tapes. Well, um, uh, for me... I'm uh, uh, I, I recognize the reality of the world we live in, and it was already happening before the pandemic. And it's all about convenience and it's about uh, increased opportunity. We can see more people uh, and there's lots of things that are good about it. And uh, for me, it robs me of the experience of meeting you in the hallway. It robs me of the experience of seeing you come into the room and watching how you hold the space. It robs me of watching you get the redirection or the comment from the director or writer or producer or me. And so I, uh, I find that I learn a great deal less about you. And I'm just focused on the work, which isn't a bad thing. But um, for me, the thrill of being in the storytelling business is getting to know people uh, at their most vulnerable and truthful. And um, I don't think that's often in their work. It is for the best of you, but but um, most of us <clears throat> aren't as authentic in our prepared work as we are in our sp spontaneous life. And I know you're always encouraging people to see auditioning and acting as a slice of life and living the life of the character. And I completely... Yeah love those phrases uh, but most people can't achieve that completely and and um in the old days we got to see you naked uh even if you didn't take your clothes off and right. now we only see what you present well let me give you some of the things that i think and let me ask you how you feel about it because <clears throat> one of the questions are always to me the technical aspect of of self-tapes I technically think, yes, of course, lightning and all, lighting and all that sound. But I think people are way too close and are overdoing this. I have to be in this small box. How do you see people's behavior if they don't come in and create the life and bring it in? So I always say, start with a wide shot and come into the close up so we see your life. Why does it have I, to be so close? How the hell did you get so smart? Um, you know, that's completely true. 
I mean, at the very least, the slate should be a full body shot. I don't want you to pan up and down your body like because that's kind of prurient and awful. But but I, I completely agree. You know, uh, when we were casting Animal Kingdom, the guy who played Craig, who's a, one of the most gorgeous men that I've ever experienced. Yes. Um, he's about six, four or so. And the scene is completely different if the woman he's playing opposite in a sort of sexual romantic scene is 5'1", than if she's 5'6", she's embracing him around his belt, which could be appropriate in music, but uh, isn't necessarily what the scene's about. And uh, on Zoom, I can't always tell. You know, what so, uh, practical things like that. But the self-tape, you, you do agree that it doesn't have to be a tight shot the whole time. No, absolutely. I mean, if it's okay. a highly emotional scene, I think getting to the tight oh, shot is a good idea. To. But, but uh, uh, you know, I, mean, I think if you're uh, belly buttoning up, that's tight enough. Oh, yeah, because I agree with that. And the Zoom callbacks, uh, you know, I, I mean, I do. We have the most amazing class. I don't these these actors of mine. I mean, we become experts in Zoom because we do it like a play. And we you know, you can have someone who is. In 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 uh, L.A. doing a sex slice on a bed. I mean, they're on bed. They just finished making love. And someone who's in Europe and you fail that they're in the same room. I love Zoom. Most people don't love it because it's been so creative. So when you have a Zoom callback, what do you, is there more freedom? What is that like? Well, you know, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And those of you who have a lot of experience with it are 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 finding its value because that's your job. To, to find a way to make it work. Uh, I've only done one big Zoom callback, and it was on Animal Kingdom, and it was uh, casting Sean Hattesey's part at 16 and Scott Speedman's part at 17 and Sean's twin sister, who we did never see, also at 16. And we had two actors for each of those three roles, and we had them in the Zoom waiting room, and we used every permutation and combination possible in various scenes. and. Um, uh, because it was our virgin territory, we were all kind of going, shit, this is weird. And how are we going to make this work? And yet we did. And yeah. those three young actors were fabulous. And we picked the right people and we made it work. So um, I'll try to stop being an old billy goat about it and try to find out how it works. I'll help you with it, John. It I'll help you. What? Actually, I'll help you with that, John. John Beaver is my student. Uh-huh. So there you go. Okay, now, next thing. Do you, uh, what, when a manager agent pitches their clients, in, is there a way that you get turned off from their pitch? What's a good pitch for an agent and manager? That has to do with the length and uh, breadth of our relationship. Uh, if I already have a level of trust with you because you've pitched good people over the 38 years that we've been working um, or whenever you began, uh, uh, then I'll be responsive to your pitch. Um, okay. Also, if you don't use pitch words at me, this is he's the real deal. Well, that's what you think. Be authentic with it. Do you always look at submissions from large agencies you have relationship with first? Yes. I mean, for so, leads. Yeah. 
If a rep is simply submitting a parts, I never look at big agencies. Okay. <laughs> they don't have anybody. If a rep is simply submitting a client and not pitching them, is that is that much less likely to get an audition? Or not? Uh, Margie, I have a working understanding of a hell of a lot of actors, as do you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I have a faith in my instincts. Yeah. And I believe in your training. If I see an actor who I don't know, and on the back of her resume, it says Margie Haber, uh, and, and she looks cool and interesting, I'm inclined to give her a goddamn appointment. Remember that, everyone. Okay, are there prerequisites in particular you look for when casting a guest star and a, or a regular series role? Well, you know, the, the larger the role, the more important the decision. Uh, the series regulars are who we come back to every week to watch a show. And so those decisions are gigantic uh, and they become decreasingly gigantic as the part becomes less significant emotionally or isn't a big deal in terms of the uh, life of the uh, of the series regular. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a combination of your quality, your training. Your experience, your vulnerability, mm -hmm. your honesty, and your authenticity. One of my students said that they watched Shameless, the original British show, um, and was wondering, should an actor create from the original or start from scratch? Uh, I, I deliberately did not watch a single oh. episode of the British series because I didn't want to have it in my head to duplicate something that had already been created. I wanted to create something as if it was brand new, even though it actually wasn't. And uh, I, you know, I, don't, I don't think it's a good idea to try to duplicate anything, including your performance from your first reading to your callback. You should be duplicating the work that you did and uh, fuck the result. Yeah, agree. So my friend Steve Downing, do you know Steve Downing? He was executive producer of the original MacGyver. And oh, I wow. remember, yes, yeah. I, know I watched very, that show with my son when he was a boy with great love. And it was a, a, a one of the joys of his childhood. I'll tell Stephen. He's a wonderful human being, Stephen. So I went to visit him in Vancouver. And he was, during those days, he was watching the tapes. And he, he, I was watching him watch. And as soon as, you know, he pressed the button when people were not interesting in the beginning. How important is it to be in the, I always say, be in the middle of life so that you're coming in versus, you know, the yeah. start? I, you know, I was always trained with the concept of the moment before or the moments before. And I think those are the uh, some of the most important decisions you make as an actor is where are you at when it starts? And, and that's how you know what you need to connect to to get to that where are you at. Yeah. And then you can proceed into the into the material at hand. But if you're nowhere at the start, uh, then you're chasing your tail the whole time. You know, it's funny because I say to my students, I don't use the word moment before anymore like I used to. Now I say it's a continuum. It's a slice before. Come in living in the life before because the behavior and the silence will feed you. All right. Do you give Do you give feedback to reps about their actors' auditions and should they fight for them? I used to, and I don't hardly ever anymore. 
uh, I was standing in line for a movie with my daughter who was probably seven and a slightly intoxicated actor was in front of me and turned around and said, I hear you said I was stupid. And I ah. probably something like I hear uh, I, I uh, he doesn't have the kind of piercing intelligence I'm looking for for this role. And it, uh, feedback is a game of telephone that we used to play as children. And, and we all we learned over and over again that the message got diluted, distorted and changed as it went around the circle. Um, I will give feedback to someone who with whom I have a relationship if yes. um, if someone I feel has uh, is like I, I think Mariska Hargitay uh, says in uh, in her uh, addition to the chapter at the end of my book that um, I gave her some tough feedback where her initial auditions were always better than her callbacks and that she needed to examine that. And um, I did that because I loved her. Yeah, of course. You want to see more. Uh, how can then, how can, because of the self tape world, this is the problem. How can actors build a relationship with casting directors if they don't meet them? It's damn hard. And I think it's another thing we lose uh, in, in, in this world. But um, I, I, I guess, you know, you, now you have to do develop a relationship with your talent and your skill and your training and, and a willingness to be vulnerable and authentic and show that. And then you'll have a relationship with casting directors who are looking for that. And uh, you may not know you have a relationship with that casting director, but you do. Yeah. Well, that kind of brings me to then you um, casting director, you have the opportunity when do you, is it okay for someone to send you something saying, I've booked this thing, this show, I want you to see it, that kind of communication sure. for you? But I don't have an office address anymore, and I'll be damned yes. if I'm going to give the whole world my home address. Very difficult. Very difficult now. Uh, okay, I'm almost finished here. Uh, let's see. So... I guess one of the questions that people want to know is how did they stay? I have an answer to this, but I'm going to ask yours. How, what are things that actors do in auditions that could absolutely stand can't that you that can stand out for you? What can it, what can an actor do? Well, I think we've covered it over and over again. Yeah. Be be to, real. Be in your thoughts and your feelings. Uh, don't be strategizing about what I want. Don't try to please me. Please yourself. Do the work. Be Reach for greatness. Be, be the best you can be. Be fabulous. I agree with that, and that's going to make a, a, a great ending to this amazing. Woo! I've never done such an, a long podcast, but you know, there's so much I could go on for hours with you. You're so you're you're, you know, you are a man who's filled with so many years of knowledge, and the I think the way to approach life through joy and creativity. And there's a piece in my book I call I talk about embrace your imperfections and yeah. allow yourself to make mistakes. And you seem to encourage people to be like that. Absolutely. The gold is in the fuck ups. So everybody, I mean, so I can't I can't thank you enough. I just want to say to everybody, buy right for the role. It is, I mean, I spent a weekend reading it and it was uh it was so informative, great stuff. 
And yeah, well, no one sees this because this is not visual, but Michael is, I mean, Michael, what's your name? John is saying bye. What are you, what are you saying, John? I'm saying bye, fuck your comfort zone because it, uh, it really is an opportunity to get some help to figure out who you are and what you can do to maximize your potential in your life, your relationships, your work, whatever it is. Uh, Margie, who I haven't seen in uh, uh, 15 years uh, and who has reminded me today about her wisdom and her capacity for respect, collaboration, and love. And I'm so grateful for it. Thanks for inviting me. I am so grateful to have you on. And everybody, keep living the life and fuck your comfort zone. I hope today's podcast inspires you to stay open, let go of control, be present, and above all, be kind to yourself. If you'd like to explore more of my philosophy in the studio, go to MargieHaber.com. And if you want to purchase a copy of my book, Fuck Your Comfort Zone is available on Amazon. Stay tuned for our next episode.